In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. such a pleasure to be with you this morning, and um, Father Andy, when he was, Andy, was uh, was at one point the tech guy at the Church of the Incarnation, so it's nice to uh, uh, draw upon your strengths once again, Father. It really is a joy to be uh, with with you all, and to see old colleagues again, Father Yoder and Audra, and Andy and Kristen especially. Thank you very much for inviting me. On Wednesday... 375 of you came to this church to have ashes posed posed upon your head and to receive a death sentence. Remember, O man, that dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. It's a very strange ceremony when you think about it. There's nothing else remotely like it in our culture. It never loses its ability to shock either, especially when, as a priest, you find yourself suddenly marking the forehead of a newborn baby whose mother has just brought to the altar rail. These old rituals have tremendous power to cut across political and cultural lines for the simple reason that they speak to the heart and bear the weight of truth. We are living under a shadow at the moment, as the war in Ukraine escalates and other nuclear threats mount, this is arguably the most dangerous time we've been going through in the last 60 years. And it's not at all clear where this will all go. So this year, Lent seems especially timely. Not because Lent is about doom and gloom, but because Lent is the antidote to doom and gloom. When you think about it, the rituals of Ash Wednesday are not really about death, but about life. The question that the imposition of ashes asks you is essentially this. Five minutes after I die, what will I regret about my life? What will I regret not having given away? What will I regret about spending too much time climbing the greasy pole of my career at the expense of my loved ones and friends? Did I spend my life pointlessly bragging around some grudge? Would I regret all the energy I wasted fretting about growing old or fretting over things that were never mine to control anyway? The point of Ash Wednesday is not that you will die, but that you live and you still have time to rewrite the end of your story. Lent, you see, is about making a fresh start and beginning your journey towards your personal resurrection. The spiritual exercises of Lent are about identifying, naming, and letting go the things that are holding us back, the things that today get in the way of 
my being the person God wants me to be. Fearless, available, radically open to God's leading. So the exercises of Lent are not about doom and gloom, much less self-erasure. Lent is about liberation, about God helping us to untie our chains about le- and leaving behind our pointless guilt, the self-sabotage, the addictive behavior, the bitterness, the whininess, the selfishness and fakeness that bedevil us. And then starting fresh habits that will shape us into the person God wants us to be. We begin the season by asking for God's help in diagnosing our condition. What do we need to be freed from? Our gospel lesson this morning about Christ's three temptations in the desert is a masterclass in spiritual diagnosis. The passage comes at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, his own fresh start, if you like. Christ, who has spent his 20s in obscurity, working as a carpenter or a laborer, suddenly has his life uprooted. As he's being baptized by John the Baptist, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. It's the inauguration of his public ministry. Things would never be the same for him. And what is the first order of business? How does his new beginning start? The very next verse is this. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Well, let's just absorb that for a second. Jesus doesn't get tricked by the devil into going into the wilderness. The devil doesn't lead him there. He is led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness precisely for the purpose of being tempted by him. Temptation, testing, it seems, is necessary to spiritual growth. Why a desert? Well, because a desert, in a desert, there's nowhere to hide. In this contest between God and the devil, the devil will be flushed out into the open. The desert is not the devil's home turf. The devil almost never comes out into the open. His temptations are almost always, almost always come to us when we are confused or stressed or overworked or depressed or distracted or drunk. Complication, confusion, distraction, despair are all the devil's modus operandi, his way of doing business. You don't even know that he is there whispering in your ear. You think that voice is your own. Let's look at the three temptations. Satan's first temptation is to tempt Jesus to break his fast, to turn these stones into bread. The temptation is to put personal comfort and convenience first, before anything else, before the will of God in your life. It speaks to the impulse that we all have to get our lives and careers into a secure and comfortable place before we can get serious about serving God sacrificially. In effect, postponing real sacrifice indefinitely. 
or simply making our current material lifestyle a non-negotiable with God. Jesus was starving. The temptation to misuse his power, to break his fast, was a real temptation. But Jesus will have none of it. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Second temptation was this. The devil takes Jesus up to the pinnacle of the temple. If thou be the Son of God, throw thyself down. Prove it. The devil quotes scripture at Jesus. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and they will bear you up with their hands, lest you strike your foot against a stone. The temptation here is to try to control and manipulate God, to impose conditions upon him. If you have ever, in a time of crisis, tried to bargain with God, or acted out against God when God didn't give you what you wanted, you know what this is about. Or have you consciously sinned, thinking, as Heinrich Heine once said cynically, of course God will forgive me. That's his job. Jesus quotes scripture back at the devil. Thou shalt not test the Lord thy God. For his final temptation, the devil, exasperated now, dispenses with any pretense of subtlety. He proposes a straight-up deal, rude and crude. The devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give to thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Of course, this wasn't really in the power of the devil to give. And it demonstrates how all temptations are, in the end, the same. They all depend on the rousing of some false hope, some fantasy, and then taking action for its satisfaction. This third temptation is the most basic of all temptations and the root from which all the others spring. It is the ancient temptation of the Garden of Eden temptation to be as God. It is to see yourself in God's place, to let your heart and feelings be the judge and measure of all truth, of all morality. It is to think you are independent from God and in charge. It is the great lie. Jesus replies, get thee hence Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. I was reading that in California, there's, in Death Valley, there's, a wonder, there's, a, there's the wonderfully called point in Death Valley, it's called Dante's View. And from Dante's view, you can look down to the lowest spot in the United States, a depression 200 feet below sea, sea level. Uh, uh, in a place called Bad Water. But, if you, from that same spot, Dante's view, if you look up, you can see the highest peak in the, in the lower 48 states, uh, Mount uh, Whitney, rising to a height of 14,500 feet. One way leads to the lowest point, the other, the other to the highest. And from that place, from 
Dante's view, any movement must be in one direction or the other. You can't just stay there. You have to choose. There are many times in life when we stand at a crossroad and choices must be made. The temptation to take the easy downhill path rather than to walk the rocky uphill path is always there. But the path uphill leads to a cross, an empty cross. And the one that walks invisibly beside us is the one who hung there and defeated it. Today is a new beginning. As we embark on a new, and I pray for each of us, a life-changing journey. For right now, right here, in this place, it is high time to awake out of sleep. Remember, O man, that dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Let us bow our heads in prayer. O Lord, who for our sake didst fast forty days and forty nights, grant us grace to use such abstinence that our flesh being subdued to the Spirit, we may ever obey thy godly motions in righteousness and true holiness to thy honor and glory, who livest and reignest with the Father and the Holy Ghost, one God, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.